Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960. The Fan. Kicking off the work week with another early Flames game as they get set to take on the Ottawa Senators. 5 o'clock start means a 4 o'clock warm-up means a sprint to 4 o'clock for us today. We have Corey Sarich and Peter Labardius here in the noon hour. We have Will Nalt joining us today. Will, how are you, sir? Doing all right, Pete. What's going on? How's the weekend? Oh, weekend was good. Saw the Chinook Blast, the Flames played, and we don't have to yell about it as much today. So no complaints on, on the, the weekend. What about you? Well, I don't want to sidetrack, but you're the third person I've heard this morning say the two words Chinook Blast. Do you have 10 seconds to elaborate? Uh, yeah, it's a, a big light installation thing that was on Stephen Avenue and in Eau Claire. It was very bright and very pretty. I enjoyed it. Was it like a walkthrough? Yeah. Yeah, you, you okay. start the walk from Eau Claire and then just all along Stephen Ave, they had a bunch of different light displays and it ended at uh, Old City Hall with a, a thing set to music. Sweet. Yeah, it was wicked. Um, kind of a, a nice, honestly, and this was very much stretching on our part, kind of reminded me of Japan, which was fitting because yesterday was the, or today, I guess, the one year anniversary of us landing back in Canada from Japan and having to quarantine before everyone else then had to quarantine. So it was kind of a, a nice way to, pardon the pun, bright up the day um, <laughs> as it is the, the one year anniversary of our quarantine. Yeah, no, it's uh, hard to believe it's been a year since essentially all this stuff happening. We're about, I would say, just over a week away, uh, March 12th, 13th, 14th, depending where you were or what you were doing. Um, that was the moment kind of everything stopped in North America, certainly in your part in, in Japan and certain parts of Europe, it was already, you know, already there. Um, but for North America, yeah, it's kind of kind of hard to believe in one breath that we're at a year and in the other breath, it's wait, it's only been a year. Um, it's kind of <laughs> got that that you know bit of both feeling there. So, um, yeah, but yeah, totally. no, that that sounds awesome. The weekend was good. I was uh, commenting on Twitter. I know a lot of people uh, picked up on it. I don't know where you are on it, Pete, but uh, I'm uh, I'm here for the eleven o'clock games on a Saturday. I, I'm here for that. I liked it a lot. Yeah, I, I just sun's I like... shining. Got my coffee. Really? I mean, let's go. Come on. Yeah. Perfect. Afternoon baseball was on on Sunday, afternoon hockey on, on Saturday. I greatly appreciated it. So, yeah, I, I have no complaints there. Um, and with the Flames effort, uh, maybe Calgary will petition to play a, a few more of those early games. <laughs> um, it is now time to get to our, our first guest of the program. We welcome in Peter Labardius. Flames insider Peter Labardius brought to you by the Gemini Group Home Renovations. Your home renovations should be a reflection of who you are. Give your home the Gemini difference. The Gemini Group, now offering air miles reward miles. Visit GeminiGroup.ca. Good afternoon, Mr. Labardius. Are you pro or con for the, I guess, yay or nay is the more appropriate term, for the uh, the afternoon games on the weekend? Um, probably somewhere in between, to be frank. Okay. Uh, I... I prefer the I prefer the evening games. I just find that it's easier to get into a rhythm and plan your day and, you know, get your work done um, the way that you want. I think my takeaway, Mr. Klein, is you're always delighted when they're over and you have some more time. And, um, you know, Saturday I was schooled again by my favorite person about – NASCAR, I watched a lot of left turns in the last 48 hours, I can tell you that. Um, but, yeah, it's, yeah, they're not my favorite. I, I, can't, I can't lie. But on the other hand, I think for people who know me pretty well, a game started at 11. If they start at 3 in the morning, I just, it really does. Like, I'm always happy to do what I need to do in order to get ready for another game. So I'm good yeah. that way. Uh, the Flames seem pretty ready for it with a, a 6-3 win over the Ottawa Senators. Uh, I think one of the main talking points for me coming out of this one, Lou, we, we see the bubble lines put back together and admittedly not a ton of resistance on the other side at times, but uh, a pretty good showing for the, the regrouped lines for the Flames last night or on Saturday. Well, really, de really determined, guys, didn't you think? Really determined from the onset. Um, what they were really never able to do in the first game against Ottawa was dictate to their opponent. Um, basically, what I saw from the first shift, I saw a very engaged, a very motivated team 
that got to their game early. I thought they supported the puck well. I know that Jeff talked going into the game about um, face-off engagement, being ready, ability to break the puck out of their own zone with support. Um, you know, and early in the game, Johnny Gaudreau makes a brilliant play. I think equally as brilliant was Yuso Valimaki's vision to find a soft spot in the zone with four senators back. And, you know, you score first. That's always a pretty good tonic. And we know for this group that hasn't been easy to come by. However, a real turning point for me came, well, what has this team done sometimes off of good good moments or bad moments? Well, 37 seconds later, the puck's in the net again, courtesy of Michael Backlund, who had a big day, three points, his second three-point game of the year, um, whether you like plus-minus or not, an impressive plus-four. So Flames were engaged. They were determined. They found their way early. They clearly, from start to finish, looked like the better team because they played the right way, and they showed that they should have advantages. So they went back to a comfortable place, and we're rewarded. And now, you know, as every single person, including myself, is going to ask the question, what do you have for me next? And the only thing I'd say, guys, is I probably thought about this on the weekend. I'm not, I'm not making any excuses. I'm really not. But let's all concede that this is a really different season. So even for the Flames themselves, You know, they played 15 games in the month of February. They only played four of those at home. They had two lengthy road trips. And again, everybody's going to go through it. So I'm not here to make excuses. Plain and simple, they haven't been consistent enough. They haven't been good enough. And it really stems with, you know, individually, you can probably stop at about five, six, maybe seven guys who have been pretty consistent performers for the team. But you can't completely discount some of the other stuff either. No, that's fair. Um, we ha- obviously this is a flames heavy hit, and we have a lot more flame stuff to get to. But one other, we we're talking about takeaways from the other game. Um, one takeaway that I have does come from the Senators' side. You had kind of pinpointed Drake Batherson as a player you were looking forward to seeing from an Ottawa perspective over these last few games. Uh, I'm assuming not How's disappointed by what you have seen. Yeah, he's been all right. <laughs> I've heard five goals in five games, is or goals in five straight games at least, is pretty good. He's, he's a good player. And, you know, um, I, I even heard Paul Maurice on a podcast yesterday talk about, you know, the Ottawa Senators maybe aren't ready to win a lot of games, but make no mistake, they play hard. They've got some excellent young people to go forward with. And, you know, and Drake Batherson, who played such a major role for Canada in winning the 2018 World Junior Championship, where, you know, he had seven goals and a huge assist on the gold medal winning goal. This is a good player. Spent some time in the American League. It takes time. You know, when I look at Ottawa Peter as a whole, I see a lot of great things. And I see an excellent coach. And I see a team that, if, if you give this group time and the young people continue to grow and gain experience and, you know, don't lose their confidence along the way, they've done a good job of, you know, he's out right now, but you go out and you get a guy like Derek Stepan, who as much as it's about adding him, it's also what you're doing with your team right now is you're trying to surround your really good young people and help them be at their best and go through all the ups and all the downs. So Batherson, great release, gets to quiet areas, skates pretty well, really intelligent, excellent young man. Um, Yeah, a real building block. And uh, as you can tell, not disappointed and not surprised. Two guys that I singled out going into this – you know, four-game series, five and six against Ottawa, Tim Stutzla, and Drake Batherson. Can't say that I've been very disappointed in either guy. Yeah, no kidding. 
if that Stutzla could figure the speed thing out, maybe he'd have something. Uh, we chat yeah, with yeah, that he doesn't. He doesn't work very hard. Doesn't compete no. very hard. Doesn't skate very well. Yeah, I love him. I I love that guy. I absolutely love that guy. He's going to be a great player for a long time. Back on the flame side of things, uh, a lot of focus on this group over the last few weeks and a lot of talk about the core and a lot of talk about leadership that starts with the dude who has a C on it. I guess they all do, but like the the extra C on his jersey in, in Mark Giordano. And you liked what you saw from Gio over the weekend. Um, you know, we don't hear all the things, you know, we're doing our own radio broadcast and, um, you know, what I would say, and Jeff said this today when I asked him on the coaches show that you can hear about 4.15 this afternoon, is you never with the captain, it's, it's never about compete, it's never about work, and it's never about will. Um, but no matter who you are and how good you've been, when you start to question sometimes yourself you know he came off a pretty tough game um thursday minus four for him and his partner and you know i think we'd all concede in fact he concedes you know he had a great interview with derek on our pregame show the other day where you know my biggest takeaway was this peter when you're a guy who leads by example and you don't feel necessarily like your game is where it needs to be don't you guys think it's harder to lead people when you don't feel as good about your own game? I, I, I think for all of us, it's hard to lead. And there's different kind of leaders. But when our, when our game isn't at a high level um, or as high a level as we'd like it to be, for people who lead by example, that's even harder. Because maybe you don't have the same kind of other qualities that, you know, maybe other leaders might have to rely on. But there was a lot of mention made of it on the TV broadcast. It's been big on the media Zoom calls the last couple of days. Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the band Foreigner, but apparently he was listening to Urgent because it felt like a bit of an emergency, and he played with a boatload of emergency. He was... He was, he had a lot to say. He was really engaged. Um, you know, he was in some chirping matches, including with his old workout buddy, buddy, Connor Brown, from the summer. Listen, you don't think this hasn't been weighing heavily on Mark Giordano? He's the leader of the team. And don't kid yourself. There's been a lot said about the core of this team, and he's the leader of the core. So... Not unlike anybody else, you get challenged and it gets desperate. Well, I think we saw a more urgent captain. And here's the captain on that very factor when he was kind of sheepish in the sense this morning about bonding to all those things that were observed by others in the game on Saturday. Yeah, I think uh, that's one thing where we can be better, myself and, and a lot of us, is uh, um, we've got to find a way to get emotion into the games early. Uh, and, you know, maybe it means uh, throwing a head or chirping a little bit or whatever it may take for you individually to get into the game. you got to get into there emotionally and uh, feel like I'm a better player, and I feel like a lot of guys are when they're, they're like that. Yeah, he was, you know, he was there. He was into it, and... He had one goal in mind yesterday and uh, yeah, four marks for it. I mean, it's, uh, we need that, you know, we need the juice and we need uh, the leadership from the, from the guys that lead. And yesterday he was, uh, he was a huge leader for us. Chatting with our Flames insider, Peter Labardius here on Hockey Central Noon, Sportsnet 960. The fan, I'm Peter Klein. He is Will Nault. Well, what about the guy that wears number 88 on his back? Uh, because the last eight <laughs> games, five of those, he's been over 20 minutes, which might surprise some people. But just quietly, um, that you know, again, one of the standouts for this team and, and a guy that has really grown on me. I know he's grown on you. Uh, the one thing you talk about the work, it's always there with Andrew Majapani. Do you ever question it, Will? Never. You really don't. And... So, 
you know, the month of January, the work was great, but he was around it. Um, as I like to call him, my nickname for him, if people aren't familiar, I call him plug and play because just plug him in wherever you need, use whatever outlet you need. And this guy just like, he loves the game and he plays his tail off and, you know, eight goals, three assists, 11 points in 15 games. You mentioned the minutes and, you know, well, don't you think too, it speaks volumes of the fact that did it really bother him when his role changed, when he was moved around to different lines? No, it didn't because his level of engagement, his work, he's always one of the last guys every day to leave the ice morning skate practice. The other thing about Andrew, and I think this is important too, is, you know, Andrew's had to go through change as well. So, you know, an elite level score in the Ontario Hockey League, 200 plus point seasons, but a six round pick, despite that, had to go to Stockton, learned his craft, got better on both sides of the puck, and, you know, we're seeing the fruits of his labor. And again, when you love the sport, when your engagement is always there, when your work is there and your commitment is there and it rarely ever wavers, of course, like everybody else, he has better nights than others. But, you know, on our pregame show and postgame show, well, the other night, you know, when I point to five or six guys who have been incredibly consistent, he's one of them. And in the month of February, which crazy how things go, he has 18 of his career goals now in the month of February. So he's probably disappointed that we have the Ides of March. But do you really worry about this player? You don't. And listen to him now in regards to what's important and why he's successful. I just say always just kind of working hard, right? Uh, I know they're just – Always, you're always kind of playing with, I guess, different line mates. Um, you know, you don't know who you're kind of playing with some some games, right? But you could always, uh, I guess, count on, you know, your work ethic and do what you can control, right? Um, uh, the games of play, right? You're building chemistry with backs, Chucky and all that, right? So you got to keep building on that. And, you know, you just got to control kind of what you control. And that's, uh, you could always give 100% your work ethic uh, and doing all the little things, right? And uh, I think that'll help with, you know, points with gameplay with everything right it's blocking shots being good in the d zone you know and that that'll lead to good offensive chances for you what an answer can't control who i play with i can control my work and it's funny lou because we talked about you know that's the the one thing you never question and that answer just uh, solidifies everything right there um sorry go ahead lou i was just gonna say though um you know for, for many of us, including myself, what can really plague us sometimes is, you know, where our focus is and where our mindset is. And, mm-hmm. you know, if you're an emotional guy, sometimes the highs are too high and then the lows are too low. But, it, you know, it's, it's such a great life lesson, forget about hockey lesson, is when your work is good and it's consistent, the results follow, but it's difficult in team sport and in any kind of team because, you know, let's not kid anybody. We're always kind of looking around, right? We always are. And I love that clip because not only does he say it, he lives it and he performs it. And that's his ability to execute on it is what really makes the difference. Yeah, it's one thing to say it, but to actually believe it and practice it is a totally different thing. There's no question about that. Um, Lastly, before we let you go, Lou, a couple of things. First off, we're about four and a half hours away from puck drop, 440 away from puck drop. What do you expect from a lineup perspective tonight and maybe an update, if any, on Derek Ryan? Well, Derek Ryan... Um, certainly has been working out back in Calgary. They showed some television footage of him. Um, I think he's getting closer. And 
well, through this stretch, and I'll be as quick as I can, um, you know, hard times and a team that has lacked some consistency, listen, the more guys that you have that you can rely on in hard times to work it out to help others around you makes a difference. So this team misses Derek Ryan. I, I don't, you know, tell me whatever you want, but Derek Ryan might not, you know, be a 20-minute guy, but hasn't he been one of the poster people since he got here for his consistency? So you miss him. You miss him, and it's great to think and understand that he's going to come back probably sooner rather than later. So as far as the lineup, David Riddick starts in goal. I don't see many changes, if any. Uh, If I was to predict one, I wouldn't be surprised to see Josh Levo return in place of Buddy Robinson, but but we'll wait for the warm-up to see where that goes. And finally, Lou, over the weekend, um, I, I put it on Twitter, and I know that you said legend doesn't even really begin. We toss that word out all the time fairly easily, and maybe we give it out too easily. But uh, when you say the name Bob Ridley, voice of the Medicine Hat Tigers. Uh, Legend is kind of an understatement. 4,000 games on the weekend. He has been the voice and the bus driver. I know not anymore, but uh, the voice and the bus driver since 1970. I just wanted to end today's hit, Lou, with a couple of thoughts on Bob Ridley. Well, you know, I had the pleasure one season to be around Peter Marr. And I, I really see some real comparisons between those two gentlemen, even though I've never had a chance to work with Bob. I've, I, I first met Bob in my first year as the voice of the Regina Pats in 1989. And, you know, Bob had already been in the league for 19 years. He, he was in that almost legendary status then. Um, you know, the Tigers won a league championship. I remember it as a kid relatively well. Uh, they beat the Saskatoon Blades with Lanny McDonald and Tom Lysiak, rest his soul, in 1973. They were as tough and mean and nasty as, as ever. Um, you know, then the two great teams that won Memorial Cups in 1987 and 1988 and that 88 team with, you know, just five guys on Canada's world junior team that won the gold medal in Moscow over in Russia. One of my favorite world junior wins of all time, but Bob's is classy um, as committed. He's made everybody that has ever been around him better. Um, Talk about stories and experiences. You know, here's a guy that not only was it about his own craft, but, you know, driving the bus. Well, in his own way, it's a, it's a common term. But for 50 years, when I think about the Medicine Ad Tigers, Bob Ridley, in his own way, has driven the bus in every way, shape, or form. His work has been exemplary. He is, in so many ways, the Medicine Ad Tigers. He's seen 50 years of different players and different generations, different coaches, the best of times in Madison hat, a stretch of around eight, nine years where it was hard for them to make the playoffs. He never wavers. He never treats you any different. He is a standard among standards. He's a hall of famer. He's a legend. He absolutely is a true legendary figure. Um, It's been a privilege to get to know him, to spend some time with him to look up to him in our business. He's, he's done it all at that level, a level that I love with my heart and soul and every fiber of my being. Bob now has an award named after him. He's the first recipient of the Bob Ridley media award of excellence. Bob Ridley defines excellence. Bob Ridley is a legend. 4,000 games, glad to see that he's back doing what he loves the most. And man alive, has it been a pleasure to have been around him, spend time with him, get to know him a little bit, and try to, in, in our own way, live up 
to that standard. Not to get few, uh, too far off the uh, the beaten path here, Lou, but it's pretty amazing too when you think about that the fact that he was there for all 45 years at the Medicine Hat Arena, uh, legendary oh. building. Now, obviously, a new one. But you know, when you're when you're a voice of a team and you're there for the whole time, they're at a certain arena. That's uh, that's pretty impressive. And um, of course, they had the the long streak of sellouts. And I know you have some uh, you know some great hockey stories from the Medicine Hat Arena, Lou. One of the the great iconic buildings in the history of the Western Hockey League. And yeah, it just uh, was amazing when you see that number four thousand. And to think that Peter Mar did three thousand, um, just it's it's incredible, it really is. And a uh, perfect way to end today. Yeah, so, it Lou, is. It, it, it is. Congratulations, Bob. Congratulations. And thank you. You're a good man, Lou. Have a great Monday. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Okay, guys. Thanks so much. Flames Insider, Peter Lubardius, brought to you by the Gemini Group Home Renovations. Your home renovations should be a reflection of who you are. Give your home the Gemini difference. The Gemini Group, now offering Air Miles Reward Miles. Visit GeminiGroup.ca. Now, Klein, growing up in Assiniboia, like where was the Western Hockey League in, in your in your kind of I, I guess rankings or or uh, how close did you follow it? Did you go to I, I guess the Regina Games or Swift Current Games? Like was the Western Hockey League big in the the Klein household growing up? Not as much in the Klein household, but it very much was in, in Assiniboia. Like a lot of people, again, dating myself a little bit, but checking the paper every day for WHL scores as uh, TV broadcasts were kind of few and far between. Uh, a lot of uh, I did make a few trips up to the crushed can in Moose Jaw to, to watch the Warriors play. Would that so, be yes, the team uh, in Assiniboia? Like a lot of people are Warrior fans? For whatever reason, no. Most people that I knew were either Pats fans or uh, Saskatoon Blades fans. I don't know. Always got to go to the big city, hey? Always got to go to the big city. The, the problem was, like, we play, We were the biggest of the small towns, so we played Moose Jaw a lot in sports. So the, the oh, Moose Jaw so you didn't want to cheer for him. You hated him too much. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Right. That makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. And Swift Current's too far. Right, exactly. And Swift Current's kind of a math place. Like, I mean, not that Regina is Vegas, but um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, what about you? I'm sure, given the passion you have for hockey, I'm assuming the dub came up in, in your childhood of time or two. Yeah, obviously, as a kid. I mean, the the one you know marquee event, obviously, as a as a young child, or or even you know as 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 a kid growing up, I didn't. My family didn't have a ton of money, so not necessarily always going to NHL games. So Western Hockey League games were certainly uh, certainly high up there. And the other one too is a as a kid that just because for whatever reason you're off school, you've got other things going on. Um, you're probably in a hockey tournament yourself. I used to always find a way to get to a max midget final. Uh, or try to get to, to some round robin games. Uh, those are obviously a, a ton of fun. And, um, you know, as you get older and, and you have, you know, buddies you can mess around with for the whole afternoon and, and leave the house, it was uh, it was perfect. But yeah, certainly uh, the Calgary Hitmen, as many know in this city, you don't get the love as, as you do with the Flames. But yeah, they uh, they certainly had the, and, and I mean, humble brag, I, I did play hockey with Bret Hart's kid growing up. So that was right nice. in the... That was right in the wheelhouse of him and, and, and being an owner of the team. So used to go to, you know, do the box suites and all that type of stuff. So it was a, it was a ton of fun. But, yeah, um, obviously, being in an NHL city, you were always going to the NHL stars, right? Totally, yeah. No, and then that's – that is completely fair. I remember like once the, the Memorial Cup got to, to be on television a little bit more, it's like, hey, can we get – can we get more of this stuff? Because I'd like to follow this. It's just, you know, I don't want to drive two hours every day to, to have to watch this. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm glad How we got How old were you when you went to your first Ryder game? Oh, gee, I would have been nine or ten, I think. Okay. Somewhere in somewhere in that range, yeah. Yeah. Because that's I know that's Back- the still uh, – obviously, that's still a trip that many take in that province. Um, oh, yes. But, yeah, people in my hometown yeah. have, like, season tickets, and we'll just make the two-hour drive. <laughs> Once a week for nine weeks of the season. Uh, hopefully, they'll have an opportunity to do that again uh, this year. Uh, quickly, do want to let you know, we asked our questions to Lou. If you want to do the same, sportsnet.ca slash 960. Tune in Fridays at noon to see if your question is answered. If it is, you're getting a $100 gift card to Ruth's Chris. Lou's Mailbag brought to you by Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. Book your table today to enjoy their award-winning steak. A world-class dining experience awaits with added efforts to ensure safety 
and comfort. It's the Flames and the Senators for the third game in a row. We'll get more on this series with Corey Sarich coming up next. Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Get you ready for the Flames and the Senators round three coming up tonight here on Sportsnet 960. The fan warm-ups at four, puck drop is at five as uh, the Flames look for back-to-back wins against the Ottawa Senators. Very pleased to welcome to Hockey Central at noon, Corey Sarich, who is on the line now. Mr. Sarich, how are you today, sir? Doing great. How's everything going no complaints here. Another Flames game day. So everything is good. Uh, we're not yelling nearly as much as we were last week. Um, we, we were going to talk a lot about um, just kind of what we're buying, what we're not moving forward. But this one, I, I'm assuming we're much happier with Saturday's performance than the, the first game of the series with Ottawa. Yes? Yeah. I mean, it's it was kind of like an, a complete role reversal between the two teams. The Ottawa Senators went and did exactly what the Calgary Flames did the game prior, you know, they were, they were not very good defensively. They turned pucks over. They had no energy. Um, It was almost like watching the exact same game again, just uh, a little happier if you're a Flames fan. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And in that we saw the, the old lines get put back together. The lines that we saw in the bubble uh, get put out there against the Sens. And obviously, again, things seem to work. We talk about familiarity out on the ice. How, how important is it to, to have that chemistry and have that familiarity when you're out there? It's very important um, when it comes to D pairings, when it comes to lines. Uh, the, the more often than not that you can have the same, same lineup from game to game, uh, that helps promote consistency in your game. Um, on teams that I've played on that had success, uh, it was usually teams that had kind of less injuries, a uh, more consistent lineup, and it just allowed you to learn from each other, build off each other, and, you know, it was just an ongoing process of growth um, out on the ice. And you're working together in practice, you're working together in games, you're working out all the kinks, and you eventually get everyone on the same page. And it's not, it's not as easy to do when you're constantly rotating lines, changing lineups. It, it definitely makes it more difficult. So the Calgary Flames went back to something that looked very familiar for them. Uh, I think it helped. But again, the Senators were so awful last game that if we get to see the, the uh, same line, line combinations tonight, this should be a better test. I don't think Ottawa can lay another egg like that. I don't think the Flames are going to do it. I think we're finally tonight going to going to maybe get to see what the matchup should look like. Well, and that was what I was going to say. I, I don't want to be disrespectful to Ottawa, Corey, but I, I know it was talked about on the TV broadcast. Uh, I would imagine we're going to get to it later this afternoon. Like to go back to those bubble lines is great, but I, you know, the whole reason they went away from them was to match up against strong opponents, and again. No disrespect to Ottawa, but can these combinations work against a Toronto, a Winnipeg, or a Montreal? And and that's when it's supposed to work, right? Like, it's great to go back to the old hat now. That's awesome. And it worked. Fabulous. But is it going to work all the time? And and is it going to work when, you know, it's intended to work? And, and why you kind of went away from it? So that's the, the biggest question I have. Yeah. it, And, and you, make, you make a great point. That's why even last game... <laughs> There's no contest there, so everything looks pretty good. And if I guess if the Flames can pile up a couple wins here against the Ottawa Senators, um, will we get a chance to see them against uh, maybe, a, again, no slight to the Ottawa Senators, but maybe a, a stronger lineup? I don't know. Um, if the Flames continue to have success and they stick with this, well, they're not going to go away from it, so I guess your theory will be put to the test but in in years past this lineup has worked for a good chunk of the regular season but it just it never pans out when the crunch is on so exactly what you're saying I I agree with Will if you if this is kind of your fallback and you're already there like are you making progress as a team and and that's that you leave yourself subject to a lot of opinions when you when you're uh, doing those comparisons. 
Um, we, we've mentioned a couple of times that maybe not the most pushback from the Ottawa Senators last uh, on. I keep saying last night on, on Saturday afternoon. Um, do you realize that in the locker room, like you come away from a game with a six-three win, is it? Oh yeah, we were great. This is awesome. Or do you kind of understand, like, hey, that maybe wasn't a plus from the opposition uh, in this matchup? Like, how do you kind of deal with that um, from a locker room standpoint? Exactly with what you just said. It, this. I think this team is smart enough. They're, they've got enough experience that they should realize that that wasn't a great effort, that they, they weren't put to the test. That The Flames, although I thought they were fairly sharp, they didn't have to be as sharp as is usually required night in and night out in the NHL. So they better not be fooled because they're just going to set themselves up for a letdown. So if, if there's anybody out there that's thinking, wow, you know, we, we played our best and – we beat a great opponent. Hey, that's not the case. I, I hope we see Mark Giordano yelling and warm up again tonight, you know, letting the guys know we, we'd better be ready to go. Uh, chatting here with Corey Sarich on Hockey Central at noon. We've talked about kind of get that chemistry and consistency. Um, from a defenseman standpoint, you're not necessarily playing with the same forwards all the time. How... Are you able to build up that consistency? We've talked about five-man units a number of times. How different is that, I guess, from a defensive standpoint when the, the forwards you're playing with are, are rotating and changing quite a bit? It's, it is a lot different. Um, obviously, there's more familiarity at home with, uh, with having the last change. You tend to play a lot more with the same line. Like if you're trying to get your third-line matchup and you're, you're a third-pairing you know, you're going to be playing against the third and fourth line with your own third and fourth line primarily at home. Um, yes, it's always um, still the kind of bingo ball scenario as you go through the game. Things change. And, um, you're always adapting on the fly. But I, I think as a, from a defensive standpoint, you you key with your partner on, on what you're going to do. And generally – you have a style. Um, myself and, for lack of a, an example, uh, myself when I played with Gio, um, I was the more I had the more defensive role. Gio could provide some offense. So when when the forward lines knew they were out there with us, it's even when you're looking to create offense in the in the offensive zone. I'm standing on the blue line. Well, a forward looks up, they might not want to rotate high with me there. I'm not as comfortable going down the boards as a Mark Giordano to make that switch, to make that exchange. Yeah, of course I can do it, but it's, you do learn that familiarity between forwards to defense. Sometimes you've got two very defensive defensemen together. Well, when forwards realize that, say the top line's out there with two very defensive-minded defensemen, that, that contributes to, to how they make plays and what they do. So from the defensive standpoint, you use your, you use your partner – uh, you get to know each other very well, and it makes things a lot easier in your own end. But you do have to have a relationship with all the different lines when you're on the ice, and you have to know each other's tendencies. So it's, it, it's not easily done, especially with constant change and constant rotation. But um, again, it just speaks back to what we talked about earlier. The more consistent you can be out there with your lineup and with your play, it makes it life easier for everybody. More with Corey Sarich here on Hockey Central at noon and Sportsnet 960. The fan. I'm Peter Klein. He's Will Nolt. Speaking of Geo, Corey, I'm curious uh, your takeaways because I certainly have been. I know Peter has been as well, maybe not as as loudly as I have, but I have been very critical of the captain and the leadership group of this team. He was uh, he was engaged, the most engaged I've seen him in quite some time. I'm curious your thoughts on number five on Saturday. Yeah, well, it was good to see. Um, sometimes you think, why does an NHL team need a guy standing out there and yelling? And You know, everybody needs a reminder every now and then. Everybody needs maybe to see it right up front. You can prepare and be prepared mentally, but maybe until you see some real physical raw emotion, it doesn't quite sit in. So I liked his approach to that game. Um, I thought he, he was very consistent, both him and Rasmus Anderson had a bounce back game from the game before, although not all those games or pardon me, all those goals in the game before could be blamed on them. They were out there for a couple of stinkers against. Um, it's, it's just, 
I think I think he he could use to do it a little bit more. Um, it's probably not an easy role to be the captain, and you're you've played with a lot of the same players, and you've had inconsistent results. I think it could wear on you, and I think Mark, when he first took over the, the captaincy, I think he, uh, I, you know what, I, I can't say for sure, but I I feel like just from watching and from my memory of him taking over as the captain, there was that emotion, there was more try and more give a crap, right? And it's good to see him reverting back to it in this crucial time in their season. So I I hope it can continue. And if he can continue the play like he had last game, which he was involved, not over-involved, I thought he just had a very solid game. That's exactly the steadying hand that the Calgary Flames need. Well, and that's kind of where I was going to go to next. I'm, I'm curious your expectations or what you're looking for tonight because we've seen this team do this before, and we've said it enough on this hit with you today. That wasn't the great performance from Ottawa on Saturday, but the Flames took advantage. They scored six goals. They had been dry offensively going into that game, so all of that is positive. But again, they have shown these flashes many times before, and quite frankly, this season – like that for me, a 6-3 win on Saturday against the the division's worst team, like I'm sorry, that doesn't really move the needle for me. What what are you looking for tonight? How does this team get this season back on track, maybe start to build some of that optimism inside that room? What are you looking for tonight, Corey? For me, it just comes down to the one thing. It, it, it's your effort level. So the fans can put up with a loss. Staff can put up with a loss. Your teammates can put up with a loss if everybody's pulling. As soon as a couple of guys decide not to, you, you've got issues. So for me, it's got to be 20 guys ready to go. And it's got to be hard. I mean, the offense came easy last game. I don't think it's going to. This, this is a young Ottawa team. You got a couple goals on them early, and they kind of crumpled. You have to do that again. But the way you're going to go out and build a lead is not by run and gun. It is not by just hoping it's going to happen and, and, and thinking that you're going to go. You have to have a game plan. You need to manage the puck. You need to make sure you're spending more time in their offensive zone than in your own end. And how do you go about doing that? Details. And that's what I want to see from the Calgary Flames. If you can provide just consistent effort night in and night out, you, you can look yourself in the mirror. Uh, people can live with you, and they can live with the end result. When, when you look throughout a lineup and there's parts missing and people not going, it doesn't cut it. And you'll, you'll, we'll be having the discussion that we had a couple games ago again, if not everyone shows up tonight. And I think as we, we wrap up here, Corey, that, that's what is so frustrating is that everything you, you said there – is I don't want to say easy to do, but it's just like that that stuff you can control. And, and that's been the, the frustrating part is that the results sometimes are going to vary. There are some very good teams in this division, but it, it's the stuff that the Flames that can control that they're not doing sometimes. And that's what gets most frustrating to fans. Yeah, and it's stepping outside of your box. For, for me, it was always, I needed to be rock solid defensively. How can I help contribute a little bit more offensively? It was being extremely sharp with my breakout passes. It was not trying to force too much, sometimes make moving pucks to, to spots where forwards can skate onto the puck to keep the, the flow of the game heading up ice and taking the play away from your net. Um, there wasn't a lot that I could change and add offensively, but I think defensively anybody can add a little bit more. You can get in people's road. You can bump. You can be just a dog on pucks, you know, tracking pucks all over the ice. I think that the defensive side of the game is easily applied with just a little more effort. So I think that's the biggest thing that they can control. And then the guys that know how to score goals will score goals because they'll get opportunities. But adding those little things, stepping out of your box is where the Calgary Flames need to be tonight. Good stuff, Corey. Thanks for doing this again. We'll, we'll chat tomorrow, and hopefully some of these things that we just said we were looking for, hopefully we actually see some of them tonight. Yeah, going to have the, little, the checklist going, and we'll see which boxes they tick. <laughs> All right, have a good one, dude. Okay, take her easy, guys. See ya.
There is Corey Sarich, former Calgary Flames defenseman, joining us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Now open for limited dine-in service with all safety precautions in place. Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar, the best pizza past the steaks and ribs since 1975 at 6060 Memorial Drive in the Northeast. Uh, a few minutes to go before we get to the big show, Will. Want to just kind of bounce around a couple other uh, NHL topics. The Columbus Blue Jackets have been the most interesting team in the National Hockey League this season. Uh, and now all of a sudden there's stories coming about, Hey, you know, like they've lost five in a row, kind of far out of a playoff spot. John Tortorella in the last year of a contract. Ooh. Um, it just, it can never be boring in Columbus this year. Can it? No, it really can't. And I mean, quite frankly, is it ever boring on a John Tortorella coach team? Cause my answer to that would be, but no, it's, it's, it's not. I mean, even his right. awful year in Vancouver, we had tons there. Uh, including an, an almost fight with Bob Hartley. So, no, it's it's certainly um, never dull around John Tortorella. And, and quite frankly, Pete, until I realized he was in the last year of his contract, I know it sucks and you don't ever want to have a a dead season or or kind of that dead man walking feel for the next whatever it is, 34, 35, 36 games. But, I mean, if, if the season goes the way it is and continues the way it is, I know their lineup is not the strongest. I know they're not loaded up with talent. The Max Domi trade certainly has not worked. Uh, he's got seven points in 23 games. But um, just the way that the season's gone on and knowing the situation with Torts and knowing how long he's been there, his history, his shelf life, all that type of stuff. Uh, I know I was on this radio station a couple weeks ago talking about how how great it's been under Tortorella. And I do think that if you look back in Columbus history, he has been their best head coach. And this has been the best era of Blue Jacket hockey. But I wouldn't be surprised if the two parted ways at the end of the season. I don't think it's worth firing him, especially in a pandemic, Pete, with, what, 33 games to go. Um, but, you know, at this point, based on the way things have gone, um, I, I do think that's a possibility. I, I wouldn't have said that a month ago, um, but I certainly am there now. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, it, it does kind of seem like it, it's time for, I guess, a new era with Columbus. Um, they, they currently sit six points out of a playoff spot. Under uh, Points percentage, it looks a lot worse for them as they drop to yes. seventh uh, only ahead of Detroit uh, because Dallas has played seven fewer games than the Blue Jackets. So the, the points column does look uh, a little bit flattering to the Blue Jackets. Is this a team that goes into a bit of a rebuilding mode? They have Patrick Laine, who probably wouldn't want to stick around for a rebuild, who has a, is an RFA at the end of the season. I wonder what direction that the Blue Jackets do go here over the next little bit. We're a few weeks away from the trade deadline. We've talked about how difficult making trades um, is in this current NHL. I, I just I wonder what the next few weeks for the Columbus Blue Jackets look like. Yeah, and I, and I wonder how realistic it's going to be, not only for them, but some of the other teams, perhaps, that have fallen out of the race, uh, i.e., I know there's been talk this week, I know it's maybe a little early, um, especially if you're a Canuck fan, but there's been some talk about, okay, Vancouver and Ottawa, like, what are the pieces there? If you're another Canadian franchise, are there pieces to identify to maybe pick up so you don't have as long of a quarantine or maybe not as intense of a quarantine? You can get that player faster. I know that storyline has started to develop. And now as you look at Columbus, you, you look at you know which pieces are, are ones that are really attractive for other teams here, especially in a pandemic. And you obviously go to the, the lower cap hits. But um, like I, I, I don't know, Pete, I, I guess – your thought on, on line A long-term in Columbus, like I, I still think there's a potential to, to get that guy signed. I, I wouldn't be flipping him necessarily at the deadline. And then other other places like David Savard, certainly I, I do think can help a playoff team. But, you know, at $4.25 it's a little easier to swallow that at the deadline. Uh, is Columbus opening open to, you know, eating some of that money? But that, that's a guy that I think would, would have some value. And whether or not you, you feel like he can still play, I know that, Torch is a, a big, big fan of his, but, um, you know, a guy that's making less than a million bucks and has played in almost every game this season. I do wonder if Michael Delzato is a guy who's once again on the move here uh, come the trade deadline. That's a, a contract that certainly is definitely digestible for, for every franchise out there right now at $700,000. So, um, yeah, mm -hmm. I, I think we're now at that point, Pete, where you start to look at other teams and, and these teams that are in the you know the low 400s and high 300s when it comes to points percentage, that's a, that's a big hill to climb. And now you might be looking at 
which items or, or which pieces can we sell the deadline? And I, I do think Columbus is there. And um, again, I don't think it's a long list of pieces that are going to be, you know, desired by other clubs, but there's a, there's certainly a couple pieces for sure. Mm-hmm. And I do wonder if we start to see some early movement trade deadline wise, especially mm. from the team, if you're making trades um, going across the border, because like if you're the Flames, for example, who I would imagine still fancy themselves a playoff contender that uh, they currently sit on the outside looking in. If you're trying to acquire someone, especially if they're a UFA at the end of the year for a, a playoff push, if you get it right at the deadline, by the time the guy's quarantined and everything, it's like, oh, awesome. We got Nick Felino for two games. Really happy about that. Like, I, I wonder if we start to see some some early movement um, because, of th- like you mentioned, like if, if you're training for a Michael Del Zotto and you're up north, you kind of got to do that now, right? So I, I do wonder how different this trade deadline and this trade season is going to be because of the, the complications that we've been talking about for a while. Sorry, you cut out there the very last second. What was that? Oh, sorry. Yeah, I just wonder just how the different very the trade deadline. Second. Yeah, I just wonder how different the trade deadline is going to be given COVID and how different the, the world is that we're living in right now. Yeah, I certainly love your point about early movement, right? Because do you want to get a jump on it? And it's made me think about, you know, how how there's probably going to be those more busy days leading up to the trade deadline. Like on, on deadline day itself, Klein, I, I don't think it's going to be as busy as we've seen in years past. Um, I do think there's going to be some early movement. It's just such a, a hard thing to read because not only is it difficult with quarantine, but you've also got a lot of teams that don't really have a lot of money um, to necessarily be wiggling or, or, or moving. And, and that's, you know, a deadline time. I understand there's a lot of teams that maybe aren't, aren't necessarily moving money. Um, but I, I do wonder what type of problem that's going to cause for other teams uh, as we get closer to this deadline. But I do think you're onto something with the, the early movement for sure. And part of that is just me hoping that we have trades to talk about because trades are always fun to talk about. We've had a couple uh, to start this season. That is going to do it for Hockey Central at noon. I'm Peter Klein. I'm at home. Will Nolt, also at home. Logan Gordon is at the Iconic Studio, powered by Iconic Electric and Controls, proudly owned and operated from Western Canada since 2008. They take great pride in giving back to the communities that we all work and live in electrical construction it's iconic contact them today at iconicec.ca so hey we're feeling a little bit better about the flames but i I think you could probably tell from the the interview with Corey sarich we're not all the way back yet we'll discuss that as we start the big show coming up next here on sportsnet 960 the fan